you know, we can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness, there's going to be some griminess, but we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and Giants fans, it's a new world yet again in East Rutherford. The Giants will be looking for not just a new general manager with Dave Gettleman's retirement slash pending firing that didn't happen and was preempted by the retirement, if that makes any sense, and a new head football coach with the news that the Giants fired Joe Judge after two seasons, a 10-23 and record on Tuesday night. On today's show, we will dive in to all of the GM candidates, a little head coaching candidacy talk as well, with Peter Schrager, NFL Network's Good Morning Football and Fox Sports, one of the best around. We dove in for about 40 minutes and talked Giants front office possibilities. He will give you the lowdown, the real deal, real scoop on all of the candidates that the Giants have set up to interview for GM. And as far as timing goes, I just got off of the Zoom call with Giants co-owner and team president, John Mara. So I will start off the show today with my feelings as to what has gone on and my reaction to what John Mara just told us in about a 20-minute interview, taking questions from the media. And we'll get to that in a second. But first, I wanted to remind everyone that our all-in podcast is brought to you by our friends from Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. So I tweeted this on my account, art underscore Stapleton last night, and it kind of hit me. I've been on the beat for 14 years with the record in NorthJersey.com. I was part of our coverage team in 09, 10, and then 11, and then took the lead role starting in 12 up until now. I've seen one Super Bowl. In the last six years, this is now my second general manager search that I will be covering and my fourth head coaching search in six years. That's pretty much insane. Even for Giants standards over the last decade, that's insane in professional sports to be going on essentially your fifth head coach since Tom Coughlin stepped away. I won't even say retirement 
because he didn't retire. It turned out to be his last stint as a head coach, but he didn't announce his retirement. So where are we at? Well, I think the most poignant thing that John Mara talked about is the fact that point blank in his association with the New York Giants. And remember, the Mara family goes all the way back to the founding of the New York Giants in 1925. It's the address of their training facility, 1925 Giants Drive, and there's a name Mara right attached to it. That this is his lowest moment, period. The most embarrassment he's felt associated with the New York Giants. Now, some of that, most of that, all of that, with the Bucks stopping at the owner, and at this point, that's John Mara and Steve Tisch, that's where the Giants are at. I think there's an acknowledgement that things need to run through the new general manager. That's evidenced by the list that they've put together, top-notch list of candidates around the league, and then the general manager will have influence and recommend a coaching hire. That being said, I woke up Wednesday morning with a weird feeling, really a weird feeling, because I felt like they kind of pulled the rug out from Joe Judge, allowed Dave Gettleman to walk away into retirement without truly acknowledging that Judge did not have really a fair shot roster-wise. And John Maris said that on his Zoom call with us. And that ultimately is a strange thing, that they felt like this was the only way. And I'll get into that with Peter a little bit more. But in reality... Mara's biggest thing that he said to me was that there was no way, no path that he saw to dig out of the hole that they're in other than blowing it all up. And that, my friends, is essentially what the fan base has been saying for years now. So maybe you take solace in that and you look at that and say, this is the way things should be, that now they're starting over again. My question to John Mara was the idea that have they identified what has gone wrong, what they've done wrong, and do they feel like it was poor choices or do they feel like the problem was within the process? And he said a little of both. And I think that's probably fair to say. The general manager is a huge piece of this. The personnel side of it is a huge piece of it. Joe Judge did not help himself or do any favors over the last couple of weeks. And at the end of the day, this is where we're at. So Peter and I will get into the candidates, what possible pairings that we may see. It's funny, Peter mentioned his pairing, and that was the pairing that I put out yesterday on Twitter uh, shortly after Joe Judge was uh, was fired. So uh, that's where we're at. We'll get into a lot more of John Mara's comments in the coming weeks. The podcast will still go in the offseason. There's a lot to talk about. But without further ado, let's get to our interview with Peter Schrager. Hope you enjoy it. All right, the season's still going. We're heading into the playoffs. Of course, the New York Giants are not part of that. But it's a busy time of year, and I have to welcome in my guest this week. I'm a big fan. Watch him every morning on the NFL Network's Good Morning Football. He's also a star on Fox Sports. It's Peter Schrager. Schrager, thanks for joining me. And this is your time of year, my man, with all the front office and, and coaching changes around the league. 
Yeah, Art, you know how much I appreciate you. I think uh, since I wrote the book with Victor Cruz back in 2011, you've, you and I have really hit it off. And I think you're the best at what you do on the beat. And I just always appreciate you. So this is a busy time for Giants fans, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you how much I appreciate your work day after day after day covering that team and how, how awesome your career has been as well. I appreciate that, Peter. And you, you wrote the book on Victor Cruz. I lived the life of Victor Cruz. Met him when he was 15. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty wild, but look, it, it's the Giants are in a familiar spot, unfortunately. And Let's just get to it. Uh, I mean, the GM search comes first, and then the head coaching search after that. I wanted to run through candidates with you, who you would choose if you mm-hmm. have an opportunity to to what the best match is. But overall, what's your sense this week of what was going on in Giants land? And uh, it seemed inevitable that it was going to come to this, that it was going to be two openings. But what was your take on it? See, to me, it didn't seem – Inevitable. I thought they were going to be able to, you know, with all the other coaches getting fired and judge meeting with them Monday and then not being handed his walking papers Monday, I thought they might've been able to escape a couple more days and then the dust settles and then, all right, you know what? Take a deep breath. This guy inherited a Dave Gettleman roster. He inherited, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of the problems from the last regime. It's been two years in the pandemic. They hired this guy and the expectation that he was going to build a call and they'd get through. The media reaction, I think, made a major play in this. I think the fan reaction coming from, uh, you know, all angles saying, get rid of this guy. But I think what also played a role, and I know this from some of the GM candidates that are walking in there to interview over the next few days, I think they were a little confused on what they were walking into. So you're interviewing eight new guys and it might expand up to 12, 15. We don't know. They walk in and Joe judge is an inherited head coach. And unless you worked in the Belichick world, you have no knowledge of Joe judge really. I mean, it's not like he's been one of these guys that's bounced around the league, had a bunch of, it was Belichick, Saban, Mississippi state, and then kind of NFL. And so you were inheriting this coach, but the coach wasn't in the GM interview process. So he wasn't going to be in those rooms. So what an awkward thing when there are several other GM openings where you're walking in, you meet the owner and say, Hey owners, how you doing? There's an open coach situation. Hey, or you're in, you've already got a coach. You come in and say, okay, here's the coach. Nice to meet you. Whatever. You're on zoom and you're being told Joe judge is probably the coach, but our next GM is going to have an opportunity to decide. It's just very awkward. And I think the combination of, GM candidates not knowing exactly who the coach is going to be or if they're going to really have the authority to get rid of the coach and then be the fan reaction being so guttural and so, so outraged. And it wasn't you guys in the media. It wasn't the beat reporters. I mean, this comes from season ticket holders and from that third and nine play and from a lot of other things that I think it was in everyone's best interest to just pull the bandaid off and let's do a fresh search GM. And then the GM can help kind of place the coaching interviews from there. But I don't know, or I don't know if <clears throat> if there wasn't such a reaction from the fans on this if um, Joe Judge lasts another season. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. I think it really did come down to the GM candidates and, and the idea that you wouldn't want to get into a situation where they're being handed a head coach and saying, okay, you determine his fate. Uh, it almost – I saw some reaction on social media that there were some fans who felt as though – 
Mara and Tish were were pushing the decision to the GM, and I don't think that was the intention, but I think that's also played into it a little bit. You mentioned that candidates are starting to roll in. Joe Shane from the Buffalo Bills went first on Zoom. Uh, first round of round of interviews this year, it's all virtual, all Zoom, and then they'll put together a list of finalists next week, I would imagine, with some in-person interviews uh, at the facility and, and maybe even on site of the opposing team quote unquote, uh, when, you know, if those teams are still alive in the playoffs, uh, let's get to the, to the candidates. Uh, we have our list of the giants candidates, but for you, when you're going into this circuit, who are some of your favorite candidates? Are the giants hitting on some of the guys that you would push if you were asked by a front office, who should be the next general manager? Yeah. And I do have, um, some teams throughout the season, just kind of check with me and say, Hey, I know you're in those buildings or you talk to those buildings. Like, Is there anyone we're missing? And here's who we've got and all the, cause here's the process with these GMs. Some of them <clears throat> have agents and I can give you some of the big name agents. Like Bob Lamont is a big agent and, uh, there are other, and they, they sign with this agent and the agent takes X percent of their salary. And that agent, is working the phones 24 hours, putting together the argument for why this guy should be a GM candidate. And a lot of times you'll see uh, in the media, like this is the hot name. And a lot of times it's represented by some of the big time agents because the media guys are talking with the agents. But guess what? So are the teams. So some of them don't have agents. So I like to consider myself an evangelist sometimes for the guys who might not be the obvious choices and then don't have the agent. So one that I've mentioned time and time again, um, and he was mentioned on Boomer Esiason's radio show today, is a guy named Mike Greenberg who runs all the money in Tampa. And guess where he's from? Belmore, New York, and is a Long Island guy and went to Cornell and is New York, New York, New York. And he has not been asked to interview anywhere. And he's not one of these beat my chest. I got aspirations. He has no agent. But you talk to the, the agent community from the player side, and they say he's one of the best guys to deal with with salary contracts. And then you look at what Tampa does year after year. Now, bringing in Brady is, is one thing. How about getting Godwin to come back on the franchise tag and then finding a way to get Shaq Barrett, Antonio Brown, uh, Gronk, Levante David, all these guys under the salary cap and say, okay, we figured it out. Because I look at the Giants – and they have the worst salary cap situation in the league. They do. And they don't have anything to show for it. Tampa manages a way to have enough money to get Brady. And, of course, they draft great, but then bring in all these different free agents and then be able to resign them or find a way. So his name is Mike Greenberg. He's not being interviewed by the Giants as of right now, but I have no problem going out and saying um, I believe he should be a candidate. He's in his 30s. He's young, Ivy League educated, and has worked in Tampa for 12 years from the bottom of the 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 GM, like the bottom of the org chart, working his way all the way up. But as of now, he's got zero GM interviews. And maybe that's because he doesn't have an agent. Maybe that's because he's not a traditional football scout. Maybe that's because no one wants to deal with the, you know, salary cap money side of it when he talked to GMs. And to that point, I look at like a John Idzik who did that for the Jets. And that was a blowout mess. And they were like, all right, no, that's never going to happen again. But you look at some of these guys, whether it be a <clears throat> Howie Roseman in Philly, and people always want Howie's head when the Eagles aren't winning. But gosh, the Eagles have $140 million in salary cap space. Traded Carson Wentz for a first round. Like sometimes the guys who are not your traditional, I live in my car scouting the East West game, but instead are, hey, here's how business operates is, is a possible championship pedigree too. So that was my big push. I'll make it everywhere because I just think those guys deserve a chance, even <laughs> if they don't have agents. Another guy like that is a guy named Brant Tillis who works in Kansas City. 
Ryan Poles is great. He's going to interview for the Giants job. He works under Brett Veach on the player side, but from the business and contract side, Brett Tillis is that guy. And Brett Veach kind of hands off a lot of that stuff. And you look at the contract they signed for Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes got a 10-year deal worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And at the time, everyone's like, oh my God, Mahomes are... They've got Patrick Mahomes under contract now for the next 70 years. And they've got him. Once these things start going with the salary cap going up, they got him at what's going to end up being a huge bargain price. So anyone who's creative with contracts and looks at business side, I think should be at least brought in, especially for the Giants who have been so horrendous with their contracts that they're giving these for agents and somehow can't get out of salary cap hell year after year. You know, I agree with you on that front. I, I do think there's a heavy talent evaluation problem with the Giants as well, and I think that kind of speaks to the list that they've put together on that side. Let's go through some of the candidates, yeah. uh, some of the things you may know off of what uh, they've already assembled. Uh, let's start with Shane since he already interviewed, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can hit on Adrian Wilson. I know he's a guy you know very well. He's also interviewing on Wednesday. Yeah, so Shane is the man. is is got charisma. He's got spark, and he is really valued up there in Buffalo. He came from Miami, and then when Brandon Bean took the job in Buffalo, which was an awkward situation. If you remember, they hired McDermott, they did the draft, and Doug Whaley was the GM. And then they fired Whaley in May after the draft, blew out his entire scouting department, and then did a GM search. And they hired Brandon Bean, who is actually ironically Gettleman's number two in Carolina. Brandon Bean goes up to Buffalo and in so many years has turned that thing around. Joe Shane came with him and he poached him from Miami. And Shane has been excellent there over the last few years. And their first pick that they made as a front office, Shane and Bean, was Josh Allen. And I could say this on your podcast. I didn't say it on the show. They would have taken Josh Allen first overall in that draft. And that included Saquon. and And everyone says, of course they say that now. No, no. Their board had Josh Allen above Darnold, above Baker, above all those guys. So if you just want to go from pure talent evaluation, not a lot of teams had that board. They did. And then they showed some aggressive nature about getting Stephon Diggs and all that stuff. So Brandon Bean is the executive of the year last year from Buffalo. Shannon's is number two. And Brandon has been very, very good and proactive in giving Joe his love and saying this guy deserves some credit too all along the way. Here's the, the thing. When you're hiring the GM, you got to think, okay, that's great. But if we also have a coaching vacancy, what can he bring with him? And I think Joe Shane has enough of a relationship with Brian Dable where I think you might be looking at a Joe Shane-Brian Dable combination, which would be, I think, a really good starting point for the Giants. And if you could say, hey, we open up the suitcase and we've got a GM and an offensive coordinator who is now our head coach that know each other really well and they know they speak the same language, they know about culture, like we're already five steps ahead than hiring two guys who have never met, met each other before. So great stuff. I mean, obviously, and then you also mentioned the name uh, Bill Parcells, who was heavily involved in Shane growing up when he was in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mentioned that to Giants fans, and all of a sudden, you know, the antenna goes up and said, "Wait a minute, a Parcells guy? We're done with the Belichick guys. Now we've moved on to the." We're going back guys. further. We're going to Parcells guys, but right. Dave, exactly. interestingly enough, Dave, which you'll know his story. Everyone, we watch any Bills game, they go through it, but. One of the rare deals where he, he like Joe Judge, worked for Saban and worked for Belichick. However, Dable made a point in his career and said, I need to escape that world and took the Buffalo job with Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, two guys he'd never met before, and was like, I want to do it on my terms and help build that offense. So to Dable's credit, it wasn't just in the Belichick nest forever. He himself said, I got to go out and I got to spread my wings. 
Right, and I've met Dayball a couple times. He completely different personality than Joe Judge, that's for sure. Western New York guy. Um, I you know, and I don't know if uh, sweatshirts, jeans. No, let's get on the let's get a drink after after the game. Meet me here. Nothing irresponsible, but just it's not this. Um, and I don't want to say this that would disparage Joe Judge at all, but it's because right. Joe is a cool guy too when he's off the field. But it's like it's not this. Fort Knox, no one's allowed in. It seems to be a lot more jovial and a lot more, hey, you're a human being too. Let's all speak to each other. Let's all be treated like equals, you know? Right. And it's a lot easier to be jovial when you're in Buffalo and winning than you're in East Rutherford and losing. Tell me about Adrian Wilson. I know he's a guy you know a lot. Uh, He's also interviewing with the Giants today. Really interesting candidate. And I'm not – I'm actually fascinated to see what the Giants brass thinks of him because the Giants brass is – Traditional, they always hire from within. Adrian Wilson has always been an Arizona Cardinal. Now, he finished his career elsewhere, maybe the Patriots or something, but all pro player for the Cardinals at safety, went to be in their ring of honor, and then immediately when he was retired, he could have done anything. He could have done broadcasting, like a big personality when he was a player, could have gone into coaching. He basically attached himself to Steve Kime's hip, and Steve Kime is the GM of the Cardinals, and Kime was like, dude, you're one of my favorite players ever. I will groom you in any way you need. Seven years later... (laughs) He's now at the top of the org chart with Kime, and he is the man. His nickname is A-Dub there in Arizona. Cliff loves him. Kime loves him. Mark Dalton, the PR guy, will always mention, like, you should see what Adrian Wilson is doing here in the building. Like he, And their draft classes have been good. They've become a really popular destination to play. If you look at all these veterans, it's a lot of it. It's because of what Cliff has built and the culture there about, hey, we're not going to beat the crap out of you. We're going to let you veterans be yourselves, and that's kind of why – J.J. Watt wanted to be there. Rodney Hudson and, and, and DeAndre Hopkins are having such great parts of their careers with these guys. Um, I can't tell you which players Adrian Wilson scouted. I know that building there, and it's a really respectful building to the player, and it's like they want to get the most out of these players. And, you know, Cliff always gets knocked for the, the cell phone breaks and all that stuff, and Kyler kind of doing his own thing. And that's kind of the culture they have where they believe these are men and they trust them, and their drafts year after year – they get talented guys who show up and can play right away. And then in free agency, they always strike gold too. So Arizona, whether it was from Arians when Adrian first joined the team to Wilkes for that one year where they had a dip. And then since Kyler, they've been pretty relevant and they've had pretty good off seasons. And I think Adrian Wilson is one of the reasons why. Uh, another guy that was added to the list yesterday is Joe Hortiz from Baltimore. Yeah. You mentioned the Ravens and we know – the legacy there front office wise. What do you know about Hortiz? Been there for a long time. If I want to try to think he went college and went pro, but like Joe's been there forever with Eric DaCosta. And before that, Ozzie Newsom. I can't speak enough about him. Another really respected football mind. One of those guys, you go to the combine, everyone's picking his brain. Who'd you see? Who'd you like? Whatever. And Baltimore, you talk about culture. Players love playing there. Um, teams hate playing against them and you walk in that building, they call it the castle in Owings Mills and you just feel um, hard hitting, cold weather, tough, nose minded. And like they all, all the front office guys, they're there also. And it goes right down the list of all their scouts and all their, their GM candidates that they've had throughout the years. And DaCosta's that way and Hortiz is his number two. So uh, when Ozzy moved on, there was talk that, you know, Eric's going to get the GM job and then Joe Hortiz, because he's been there too, as well, he'll probably take a GM job somewhere else. Well, for whatever reason, I don't think he's had that many interviews over the years. This might be the one. And I, I think he'd be really interesting for, for the uh, New York Giants as well. 
You think he would pair up with uh, a Wink Martindale who that would be cool. a couple of years ago interviewed here? Yeah, and I think Wink, like, I, I didn't speak to John Mara about it, but just the feeling from people in the building, like, Wink did really well in those interviews with the Giants. And yep. if you're bringing Wink in, I, I can't, I can't tell you enough how much I love covering Wink Martindale as a journalist and as a reporter. I mean, brash, in your face, let's go. Who wants to bring it? I'm going to send the blitz. Like it, it's almost, it, and I don't want to say this in like a name, but like there's a lot of the stuff that New York loved about Rex Ryan, which I know now everyone's going to roll their eyes, but like Wink is a little bit that way too. Like let's get in a brawl and I'm going to beat your ass. Like that's a Wink Martindale team. And, I think his best defensive performance as a defensive coordinator might be this season when they had all those injuries and right up until the quarterback went down, they were the number one seed in the AFC. And a lot of it was because they're still setting the house and they're still getting contributions from guys all over the field. No offensive, like offensive coordinator wants to face Wink Martindale. And I think I spoke with, um, who was it a couple of weeks ago? They must've played someone in a, on an NFC team. Oh, it was McVay. And I was talking to him and he's like, you know, we're going into Baltimore and it's none of the same faces, but gosh, you know, we're not going to put up 30 points against Wink. So like, we got to find a way. Sure enough, they score 20 and they get lucky with the Beckham plays at the end and win. But right. Wink Martindale's defense was without any defensive backs and they still played. But like, if you talk about culture and personality, like a Hortiz and Wink is a lot of like, all right, bring it. Let's fight. Let's go. Like we're New York. We're gonna, and I think that does embody a lot of the toughness and a lot of the New York stuff that's been missing from the Giants in recent years. Uh, Monty Osafor was a name that was mentioned a lot because of links to the past with Joe Judge in New England. I argued that he was uh, a top candidate regardless of who the head coach is. What, do you, what can you tell me about Monty and, and his kind of candidacy here? Monty was, I believe, a finalist in Carolina. It was either him or Scott Fitterer who ended up taking the job in Carolina. Really respected guy. And at Tennessee, it's think about an org chart of your company. You've got John Robinson up top, and Vrabel does a lot with the personnel. And then you've got two guys right below them. It's Monty, and then it's also uh, Ryan Cowden. And they both do great. And they, I don't know who does college, who does pro, but like that Tennessee team, what they did this year. They had, you know, whereas the Giants, five people get injured, the whole thing falls apart. And it's like, all right, we're going to get Wayne Gallman and whoever else, Devontae Freeman off the sideline. And they've got to play. The Titans, they didn't waver. They didn't freak out. They only just went on and won games when they had 88 different players suit up for them this year. And they lost Henry and A.J. Brown and Julio and Juan and Saffold. There's a reason teams do this. Yes, culture and the players are great, but that the front office has a reservoir of talent on the roster and is ready with the practice squad stuff that they both draft and they acquire. And I think Monty gets a lot of credit for that. I did not know him when he was in New England. I've only gotten to know him since he's been in Tennessee, but everyone speaks the world of him as well. And you can't knock the results. That Tennessee Titans team for three years has gone to the playoffs and have one of the deepest rosters in football. What can you tell me about the two guys from San Fran, Adam Peters and Rand Carthon? Obviously, yeah. people know the name Carthon in this area, two-time Super Bowl champ Maurice is his dad. Yeah, love Mo Carthon. Um, so Rand worked for the Rams for years and then went to the 49ers. Uh, a lot younger and less experienced than some of these other candidates. He's only been working for them for seven years in the front office, whereas other guys uh, or have been, he's been, I guess, with them for seven years, whatever it is. He was a player and then now, of course, in the front office um, and has been elevated in recent years. 
Adam Peters, on the other hand, uh, has been well-traveled, was in New England, was in Denver under Elway. And then when John Lynch got the job in San Francisco, Elway is one of his best friends from their, you know, the Stanford connection and just from forever playing in Denver, um, Lynch being a Bronco. And he was like, there's one guy I need. I need to get Adam Peters. And he poached Adam Peters from there. And gosh, he's in that inner circle. That's San Francisco. It's like they, they, they travel in a, in a cool group and like they, it's, it's Lynch at the front office GM is like that guy. Peter's a lot of the stuff with player personnel. Parag Marathi does the salary cap. Rand Carthens on the road. He's traveling around. They've got a really good bunch. And again, you look at the results, the Niners, they always have deep rosters. They're always dealing with injuries and they always seem to figure it out, whether it be a Raheem Mostert, you know, tearing up the playoffs from an undrafted player or any of these cast of characters that you see playing for them this year that because of injuries have had to step up. But I think Rand, because of the the Mo Carthon connection, is really interesting, and I think that would be a cool hire. Um, I, I don't know him as well as I do Adam Peters, who has just been around the league and last year also interviewed for that Carolina job and nearly got it. Um, David Tepper went with Scott Fitterer instead. What else? Uh, this would be the final one, and yeah. it's more of a bigger picture. Peter Schrager's got the opportunity. Who's the best fit right now for GM? And then I'll let you tack on the head coach as well with that GM choice. Mm. I Look, it's chalk to me at this point. It's very um, – I just – the Giants, I don't think they need to start from scratch, scratch. I feel like there is talent on the roster. There is a great fan base. There is the possibility that, you know, Daniel Jones can become something – I look at what those Buffalo guys bring and I'm not advocating for one over the other with these GMs. Cause I know a lot of these guys and like, you know, Ryan Poles is awesome in Kansas city. Like awesome. But I look at Joe Shane and I look at Brian Dable and I think, all right, at the very least you bring these guys both in. Can't, you can't knock the credibility. You can't knock the resumes. They're both fairly young. Shane, I believe is in his early forties. Dable's in his mid forties. And it's like, all right, we can bring them from Buffalo, which has had success over the years. They've built something after years of being dormant into a place you don't want to play and a great team. And then you can say, all right, you guys speak the same language. It's not a total rebuild. We're at least, you can't knock us for bringing these two guys in if they impress in the interviews. And then we'll go from there. Now, look, Dable, he's a little rough around the edges as far as like New York City. Like, hey, I'm a smooth character. and oper-. I don't think that's what the Giants image has ever been. Like, I don't think the Giants are the New York Knicks where you need to be wearing Armani suits. And I'm not saying you got to show up like, you know, you know they're going to have Ben McAdoo in the giant um, in the giant suit or anything. But like Dable wears hooded sweatshirts and jeans. And it's to every he's probably going to wear that to me. Like he interviewed with the Chargers last year and they loved him. And they ended up hiring Brandon Staley instead. But like the response from the Chargers guys was like, that guy's cool as shit, isn't he? And I'm like, yeah, he's a cool guy. Like he's a normal dude. And he just happens to be a football savant. The question, of course, if you're bringing in Brian Dable, who has had rough years and I think Cleveland and Miami where things didn't go right, is he a product of Josh Allen or is Josh Allen a product of him? And are we just hiring guys because Josh Allen is just that freaking awesome? And then you get there and it's like, wait a second, you hired him based on Josh Allen, but you didn't get Josh Allen. Here's what I'd say. Daniel Jones has had three different head coaches, four different offensive coordinators, a million people on the offensive line, a bunch of, he's had Saquon Barkley healthy for maybe five games of his career. And I say this all sarcastically, but it's kind of real. If you're listening as a Giants fan, and I know most of your it listeners is. are Giants fans. It's like, are you really going to write off Daniel Jones just yet? Or do you let him at least have this guy, Dable, who's been in Josh Allen's here the last few years, who was Tua's college 
offensive coordinator when Tua had his great years at Alabama. Like, do you at least let Daniel Jones start with an offensive head coach in his ear that you can kind of build it with and then you go from there? Because I'll tell you, we're going to hype the shit out of all these college quarterbacks on NFL Network and on ESPN. And we're doing that because we're trying to promote the draft. Right now, I'll tell you, before the Senior Bowl, there isn't that slam dunk Trevor Lawrence or that slam dunk, uh, you know, Mac Jones has been in the big game. Because, like, there isn't that guy in this draft. So Daniel Jones might be better than all these guys. So before we give up on Daniel Jones, maybe give him one more year and do it with a guy like Dable, who I think takes a lot of pride in getting the most out of his quarterbacks. Peter Schrager, awesome stuff, delivers in the clutch as always. <laughs> if there's anybody who – Hey, so wait, let me interrupt. Mikey Greenberg, Mike Greenberg, Tampa Bay, New York guy. That's who I'm upset about them not hiring. I got you, man. Well, hey, listen, nobody's more all in than you when it comes to the NFL in this season. All in. Appreciate you joining me. And obviously we'll be all over this for the next couple weeks. Make sure you keep checking in and following All In Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. Peter Schrager, Art Stapleton, keep it right here. Thanks, guys.